0: Ooh, yeah! Dig it! Hi, hello, and welcome back to the Macho Movie Man podcast. I'd like to welcome you all back. It's been a while. It has been a while since I've released any sort of episode or thingy ma in relation to this podcast. I've had a lot going on. I took a little bit of a break. Um, I don't know whether... I can't even remember whether the fiftieth episode would, had been recorded before or after. um I had a medical little incident back in June so, and then obviously my work i've I started a new job back in the beginning of May that has different arrows to what I was originally doing when when I was releasing the podcast more frequently. So, but we have plans. Plans are in place to relaunch in a new direction for the show. Um, that's going to hopefully, hopefully I'm going to be able to get around to doing that in the next little while. It's just getting people on the same schedules and when certain people are free and when certain people aren't free. But the wheels are in motion. I have all notes and research done. It's just getting people there on the day and getting myself there on the day. But that is a matter for another time. I am here to introduce to you a new thing we're doing on this podcast, uh, which I like to call the monthly diary, where I will talk and give, uh, give my thoughts on things that I've watched throughout a month. It is September, so this will be the September ish edition of Monthly Diary. Where again I'll talk about movies and TV shows that I've been watching and just giving my thoughts on what I have been watching. Um I've had a lot going on this month, so there's not a, so I haven't haven't watched as many movies as I usually would. uh and I've started watching a little bit more tv than i normally would um and obviously this isn't going to be in any kind of order because i can't even remember Uh, some of these i'm like yes i know i watched that earlier in the month i know even what days i watched on with other things i'm like i watched that at some point so yes um uh and again so no particular order this is what i've been watching in september Uh, I started off this month with the Netflix movie, Me Time, starring Kevin Hart and Mark Wahlberg, and everyone involved with this movie should be very ashamed of themselves. This is the definition of zero effort, zero regard for the audience, or literally any aspect of good comedy. This movie exists only so that Netflix has something to clog up the arteries of its content page. Um, it is not a film. It is just content. Like, we, a lot of cinephiles kind of bemoan movies now are seen as content. The, Me Time is not a movie. It is content. It is a zero-effort... Uh, movie, and I really do not recommend it. Even by the standards of Kevin Hart movies, this is bad. And this is the w- lowest point in Mark Wahlberg's career, beyond a shadow of a doubt. Uh, then I watched the Wrath- Star Trek Two Wrath of Khan. I rewatched it, hadn't watched it in a couple of years. Um, I went to see it with my girlfriend as part of an anniversary present. And this movie is great. Like, everyone says it's great, but it's re- but it really is great. It is one of the best sequels ever made, and it fully deserves that honour. It's probably the best naval strategy movie ever made also, and it's just a wonderful anecdote on the nature of revenge and how far the the seeking of revenge will take you down dark paths and it's an interesting look at the double-edged sword that is revisiting your past everyone is great in this all of the iconic moments are just as iconic now as they were the first time i watched it and it's a movie that holds up maybe better than any other star trek movie from that time uh and even certain Star Trek films from modern day, this holds up better than some of those. Um, again, couldn't recommend Wrath of Khan enough. It's a classic. If you haven't seen it, what are you doing? Um, I've been watching She-Hulk well I've watched a f- I've watched like the first maybe four or five episodes of She-Hulk. I need to get back on it as I, as I said, I've been busy, but um it's not my favorite. My MCU show so far, but it's not my least favorite either. It's middle of the road. I understand what it's going for. It's trying to be a sitcom, a fourth wall break sitcom, and that does feel different to an extent with the rest of the MCU shows. The bit, the thing I admire most about She Hulk is it knows what it is better than most of the other MCU shows. I think it has the best grasp of itself since WandaVision because it knows we want to be a we want to be a sitcom, we want to be funny, we want to be a bit fluff, but at the same time introducing She-Hulk the fourth wall breaking works. It feels like, you know, They're testing the waters for what is coming down the line with Deadpool in terms of breaking the fourth wall. And it's a show that gives me more Wong on a daily, on a weekly basis. And I cannot say no to that. And also it addressed one of the burning questions I've had about the MCU for... About a year now since Shang-Chi came out. I'm not going to give spoilers. But I was so happy that they actually addressed it. Because it has just been toying in the back of my mind for months now. And I'm very happy they addressed it. Um, Then I watched Blackbird. Oh my stars. Movies like Blackbird do not come around very often. It is... It's one of those movies that like it's going to be legendary in a sense and that sense is the bad sense. It is on the level of a fatal deviation. I, maybe not the room because that is that is like the peak of movies of that sense in the modern age. But it is just a failure on every level. Michael Flatley can't act, he can't direct, but it is the most so far down at a zero that it reverts back to being a ten. Like it breaks it breaks the thing and it goes from a zero to a ten on a so bad that it's good level. You know? It is not in on the joke of itself at all, and I love that. Because nothing ruins a movie like this more than the movie knowing it's a joke and playing up to that. You know, Samurai Cop is a legendary so bad it's good movie. Samurai Cop 2 is awful because it knows that it's Samurai Cop and it over and it overplays that aspect of it. It tries to be in on the joke and that's what makes it a failure. Um but Blackbird is Blackbird takes itself so seriously that it becomes an incredible joke. And while I obviously it's a terrible movie, I would 100% recommend it. As long as you have alcohol and people watching it with you. And people who know how to to have a good time. I've also been watching House of the Dragon. Like I know a lot of people have. And as someone who still to this day proclaims Game of Thrones as their favourite show of all time. It's about the journey not the destination. It has been so good to fall back in love with Westeros again. The politics, the intrigue. This is it has everything that we really loved about Game of Thrones, but it also knows what it wants to be and it feels different to Thrones in all the ways that it needed to. It feels denser, it feels tighter. You know, there's no subplot in this that you don't that you're not on the same wavelength as as the other one others going on. There's no oh, well, there's no Daenerys in season two in Carth and the Red Waste. There's no brand stuff where you're loving all the stuff that's happening in King's Landing, and then it'll cut away to a subplot that you're like, that's fine or. Okay, okay, we'll get through that to get back to this. No, it is streamlined. There is no faff. There is no fat on this show. And while, and while again, it doesn't, it has yet to kind of hit that level of like peak Game of Thrones, like season three Game of Thrones, season six Game of Thrones, late season four Game of Thrones. Like it hasn't hit that level yet. But that is a such a high level that it's really unfair to judge any other show um off that because that is that is a peak for television. Um but I I'm loving the show so far. I'm it feels tighter, more streamlined than season one of Thrones did because this movie no- this this show knows where it's footing is because it knows where because it it takes from what preceded it even though this is a prequel it this this is a prequel that i feel like respects the viewer's knowledge of the world better than perhaps any other prequel ever has it informs upon what came before in thrones And does its own thing in the meantime. You know? Like you're watching and you see shades of characters from Thrones in characters from House of the Dragon. Alicent has a touch of the Cersei to her. But has a lot of different dimensions that differentiate her from Cersei. And of course, shout out to Matt Smith who has been killing it as Daemon Targaryen. By and large, the best character on the show by a long distance i I love Reera, but Damon is one of the most fascinating characters Annie Westero's show has ever given us. He feels like all three of the Lannister children rolled into one he has he has that sort of anti hero edge of Jamie Lannister he has that kind of wit and cleverness to him of a Tyrion and he has that ruthlessness of a Cersei but he also feels like something we haven't seen before and it helps that the show is finding new ways to tackle that character in ways that we weren't expecting because he hasn't turned out the way we thought he would not giving spoilers but that's just how it is but yes I'm loving the show I love the world I'm so glad that I'm able to have Game of Thrones based conversations. That isn't just me defending the finale. Or defending why I still love the show. as le- Not so much nah, defending the finale. Because the finale was flawed. But it just feels so nice to have positive discourse around Game of Thrones again. Um, counteractively, I've also been watching The Rings of Power which i know a lot of people have been kind of creating this battle oh house of the dragon versus rings of power because obviously the two biggest fantasy genres in the world in this day and age are game of thrones and lord of the rings um and i'm enjoying i'm enjoying the rings of power but nowhere near as much as i'm enjoying House of the Dragon because I feel like I'm still waiting for the Rings of Power to truly start cooking with gas I'm what I'm about four episodes in to Ring of Power and it and it still feels like it's building and obviously I know it's going to build to something but it just feels like What I was saying about um, Game of Thrones, where it would always kind of cut between different places in different parts of the world. It's doing that, but it doesn't have that Game of thrones to it. Because Lord of the Rings and Game of Thrones, while they're both fancy, they're both very different. Game of Thrones was always fantasy for people who like fantasy, but also it's fantasy for people who don't like fantasy. Whereas Lord of the Rings has always been the absolute bar gold standard for pure fantasy for fantasy nerds so when you when you do that it's just not as interesting, and also here these are characters. That, you know, not as many people will know as the characters from the books. You You don't have book really book sources to go off of in the same sense. So it just feels like there's a bit too much going on. There's storylines where I'm like, what is the point of this? You know, it just feels like four episodes in and we're still kind of waiting to be like, OK, so what's this actually about? It looks beautiful. It is a stunningly beautiful show visually. Props to all of the special effects teams. They have done a remarkable job across the board. It is the most expensive TV show for a reason. And it looks expensive and it looks beautiful. I'm just kind of hoping that the story will eventually kick up a notch because... We're ju- where I'm at in the show, it just feels like we're finally getting to be like, oh, so the villain, the pro- the antagonist wants to do this. Okay, so I know where at least this first season is probably going. And I know that the wheels are in motion. I just kind of wish the wheels were moving a bit faster. Um... I also this month what did I also watch? I watched The Guard again. I've it's a movie I've watched many, many times before. I watched it with my girlfriend this time. It's it was her first time watching it. But um it's a movie that kind of it grows on me every single time I watch it because I I like I loved it when I first watched it. But net when I was like fourteen when it came out, living in Dublin. I liked it because it was a movie where like people swore and made crude jokes and said fuck a lot and there was action and shooting and it was Irish. um. But now as a near 25 year old living in Galway, I appreciate it as I'm like, oh, look, there's a place that I know now that I didn't know when the movie first came out. That is so-and-so, there is so-and-so. It was it was great to kinda of introduce my girlfriend to being like, Yeah, you know that location, you know that location, yeah. Which is al- always fun, you know, like it sounds silly, but it's always fun when you're watching a movie and you see a location that's local for you and you're like, I know that spot. Um but also I just appreciate it as an Irish set uh cop movie morality story you know like it is a morally gray guard in a world of black and white where the black is starting to very much overpower the white and he is the last of the independents as he jokingly refers to himself as and again it's one of brendan gleason's absolute best performances it's one of my favorite comedies. I laugh every time. I always find a little tidbit every time I re watch them. And I'm like, I didn't notice that the first time. And I always love it when a movie can do that for me. Uh, I watched Rosie and Frank, which is also an Irish movie. This is a movie in Oskuelga. Uh For anyone who is not from Ireland, that means it's in uh, the Irish language. Um, so it has subtitles. Thankfully for me, because I learned Irish in Dublin, which is code for I know Jack Diddley Squat Irish that I can even remember from secondary school. Um, But it's a dog movie and he's a really good dog. He is the goodest boy. And it's a story about a widowed woman who uh, finds a who has a dog come to her. And she eventually starts to believe that it is her late husband returned to her in the form of a dog. Much to the dismay of her son and the befuddlement of her local community. This movie is lovely. It's a simple story about how we process grief. And it's really lovely. It's corny But it's a movie that wears its corniness on its sleeve. It never apologizes for being corny. It doesn't care if you don't like it for being corny. It is a movie that marches to the beat of its own drum. Even if that drum turns it into a borderline airbud movie about hurling for a subplot. But it's a very nice movie. It's nothing like earth shattering or world changing. But it's a nice little time if you're willing to sit down and read the subtitles, which I think you should because we should not be afraid of subtitles in the year two thousand twenty two um i've I started watching Cobra Kai season five I've been a big Cobra Kai fan uh, i need to get, need to get on finishing that season before it gets spoiled for me but I'm liking what I'm watching so far, I love chosen. Whoever thought whoever came up with the idea of making Chosen a more regular character in this season, genius, because he is by far and away the best part of that season so far. Um, I'm still at that point where the storylines haven't progressed far enough for me to kind of make a judgment on them. But it's still it's still fo- working within its vibe of teen soap opera meets 80s karate movie meets somewhere in the middle, bizarre, morality, good versus evil, soap opera team. It's a big jambalaya pot of so many different elements that shouldn't work. If you look at it on paper, it should not work. But when you put your spoon into it and you taste it, it tastes good. And it still tastes good so far. I hope they can keep that a good taste going throughout this season because it's one of those shows that always purposefully dances on the line between still got it and jump the shark and i'm kind of thinking will it jump the shark or does it know itself too much to ever go that far um i watched then barbara met allen which is a tv movie it's about an hour and 16 minutes, so it's just under feature length, or it's just, like, on the precipice. But um, it's on Netflix, and it's based on the true story of two disability rights activists from the UK who meet in the 90s and um, fall in love. And they have this doomed romance set to the backdrop of the fight for disabled rights in the UK. This is a pretty awesome punk rock movie. Um, it's one of those movies where I'm watching and I'm like, what bits could needlessly be overextended to get this to feature length? And I'm very glad that they didn't go that route because this movie does everything that it needs to do within the time that it needs to do it. It's a really easy watch. It's got some really cool visual aesthetic choices that very much bring up this kind of idea of this punk rock joyful movement contrasting with bleak realities of their own personal situations um so i would definitely recommend then barbara met allen uh what else did i watch i watched unfortunately i did watch the live action pinocchio movie that they dropped on disney plus this month And it dropped like a poo in the toilet. Oof. It is a stinky, stinky remake that did not need to happen. Disney is just finding new ways to make more money off of their old movies. Like they've done since the beginning when they would re-release their animated movies in theatrical runs for limited times only before... You know, putting them back in the vault. And then putting them out on home video. For a limited amount of time. And then when that limited amount of time finished up. They would take it back off home video. So you couldn't watch it anymore. And they put it back in the vault. And now Disney Plus is the vault. And they can just put whatever in there. And this really is the definition of whatever. It's it's it looks terrible it's a movie that made me think was this not given enough time or was this not given enough resources or did it just make the visual effects artists lose the will to live because god it looks terrible it's not well written at all it's just a blatant retelling of the 1940s movie Pinocchio but without any of the interestingness, the edginess, it cuts it cuts away the edginess to the point where the lesson is just completely diluted, nulled, void. You know, you know, they it, it can't even tell them our kids don't smoke and drink because when they get to Pleasure Island, obviously there's no smoking. And I get that. But they replace the alcohol with root beer. But that's not going to tell kids don't smoke or else you'll turn into a disturbing donkey. It's just going to tell them, oh, don't drink root beer. But root beer is not alcoholic. It's shameless and it's bad, even by the standards of the live action remakes that Disney have put out. Like at least Lion King was, in, was kind of like interesting. Like, can they tell this? In a more photorealistic way. Even if it is just shot for shot the same thing. This isn't even the first time someone's tried to redo Pinocchio. We've had bloody dozens of it. We're going to have three by the end of this year. This is worse than the Pauly Shore version. Because at least the Pauly Shore version made him a bloody twink. And that's something new. This doesn't do anything new. And honestly... At least when Roberto Benigni made a truly god awful Pinocchio movie, he at least had the decency to make it so god awful that it became infamously god awful. This is just forgettably shit. This isn't like oh no, I've blocked the I'm i I've, I've this isn't the episode of South Park where Randy takes the biggest shit in the world. This is just a liquid fart, kind of bad. Apologies for the crudeness. um I watched the Grand Tours new special, a Scandi flick. Fun fact: I was a big Top Gear fan back when uh, Clarkson, May, and Hammond were the lead trio. Um, me and my brother don't have a huge amount of similar interests, but we both love Top Gear. He's more of a car person than I am, very much so. I I watched it because they were. I thought they were funny and i like the dynamic and i like the going off on adventures in cheap cars or whatever and the the beautiful sights you know i've wanted to visit vietnam ever since i watched the vietnam special they did in like 2007 um but yeah so so i've so i watched the grand tour i'm i'm a fan that i i like it now that they are just um They're exclusively just doing adventures, because I always love the adventures more than the Car Talk stuff. Uh, But this is probably one of their best adventures they've done in a long time. Definitely the best one since they made it adventure exclusive. It's the best one they've done since the Mongolia Special. I don't know if it's better than the Mongolia Special, because the Mongolia Special is top tier absolute top tier and i will fight anyone who says it isn't um but this is a great you know this is a great uh grand tour special that's up there with some of the best specials that top gear or grand tour has ever done you know it's mad to think that this is the first time they've done a big snow-based adventure since the since the arctic challenge they did many many moons ago Um, and they, and I think they, it is their sweet spot doing snow stuff, but, um, yeah, and obviously it's scripted. Even an idiot could tell you, yes, it's scripted, but it's good scripted, it's entertaining scripted, and it's not entirely scripted because there's no way you would script that crash that James May had in this episode, which is utterly terrifying, Absolutely terrifying, just in it's insane that he managed to walk on his own feet after that um but yeah, if you like uh the Grand Tour, if you liked Top Gear when it was Clarkson, may and Hammond um this is uh, a scandy flake is absolute catnip in that regards, okay, folks, time for me to admit something up until this month. I had never watched the office the US version. But then my girlfriend introduced me to it as she said she would and I'm really 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 enjoying it so far. We've gotten I've gotten through from season 1 to 3 done. I've kind of I'm early season 3. Um and I'm really enjoying it. Season 1 was fun, but season 2 and 3 is where it really starts cooking with gas. Um I'm I'm amazed that they're still finding um great sort of ordinary things within the office an office environment to poke fun at and base entire episodes around even 3 seasons in especially when you consider you know by that point you'll have had 29 30 episodes I can think I couldn't think of 30 episodes worth of what can we do in an office kind of thing uh, and find fun to find comedy within but it's really so well written it's bizarre it's, it's weird seeing all these faces that you kind of now know um, and you know where they're from and you're like oh that's Steve Carell that's um, John Krasinski that's um, Craig Robinson that you know uh, that's um Ed Helms you know and it's it's just insane thing this was where it all started like there's a general there's an entire generation of U.S. based on-screen comedy that was just kind of born out of this show and it's it's so interesting to see it f- and see it formulate and see how... and see how much this is going to go on because I know there's six more seasons and I've been told season two and three isn't even the peak. It's like four and five. But, um, no, I'm fascinated to see how it goes. I'm really enjoying it. Um, and I'll keep you up to date on how I'm feeling about it next month because I'm sure this will all be an entry in next month's diary as well. Um... Uh, my local multiplex has also been showing old James Bond movies now for pretty much all summer in the lead up to the 60th anniversary, uh, which is this year, which is this year, uh, the Bond 60th anniversary is this year, 2022, but, um, it's, it'll be wrapping up there, um, in the next couple weeks, um, I've been enjoying all of the old films, Uh, as, you know, all the, the Lazen, um, uh, Moore and Dalton and Brosnan and Lazenby, I've watched all their films. Um, so this, this month, uh, we had The World Is Not Enough, which has one of the best, if not maybe the best, actually, opening credit action sequences, like pre-gun, like pre- title song action sequences in the entire series the speedboat chase through london which somehow manages to get m in on it feature m money penny q all of the favorites finally get to be within one pre-sequence and it's fantastic it's insane it still holds up now you know twenty five plus years late nearly twenty five plus years later actually is it is it twenty it's not twenty five but it's almost twenty five years old oh definitely over twenty years old, but um it still holds up to this day, and then the movie that follows it it's fine it's fine it's fine. the villain isn't memorable. Most of the action sequences aren't that memorable i I'm really happy they brought Robbie Coltrane back uh he's great in this movie um i had I hadn't watched this movie in a good while um it was fun to know that Istanbul featured heavily in the third act that i i got i was able to like make my girlfriend laugh about that um and obviously you know, this film for Bond fans is very important because it is the final appearance in the series for Desmond Llewellyn as Q. He had been playing Q since nineteen sixty three and from Russia with Love. Um they had been making moves to retire Q- him as the as the Q actor. They brought in John Cleese, who would then take over the role for Die Another Day. Um, but it's still really sad to see him go, and he gets a really lovely little send-off scene. Um, that's one. That and the a- opening sequence is probably the two reasons to watch this. There really isn't much else, and yeah, Denise Richards is not a good Bond girl or a good actress. And the name Christmas Jones is just it it it, it it's, it's a it's the low bar on a very low bar for Bond girl names being silly and ridiculous, and this is just for a very crude and stupid joke at the end, yeah, it's not the worst Brosnan film, but it's the most kind of eh speaking of the worst Brosnan film, die another day wow this is a turkey but you know what i'm gonna stand up for this turkey because it is my guilty pleasure bond film of the series i know it's not good i know it is almost everything that was wrong with you know in your face kind of whoa look that's cool yeah kind of Early 2000s action filmmaking. It's everything that was wrong about that kind of view of action. Uh, and yet. But. It is strangely entertaining. Yes. It has the worst Bond song of any Bond film ever. There will never be a worse Bond song. Than that god awful Madonna. Eurotrash Pop. Dubstep nonsense um, even worse for the fact that she makes a ca- she gets to make a cameo because of that um, it is such an undignified end for Pierce Brosnan but it's just one that I'm like I would watch it three times over before I would watch Quantum of Solace again before I would watch Thunderball or Diamonds Are Forever again you know Like, I will always watch this movie, even though I know it is bad. Plus, it has that fight on the ice, so ice fields of Iceland, or whatever CGI place they did it in. But it has a frozen lake fight chase between the Aston Martin and a Jaguar, and... That is awesome. It ha- It's one of the best car chase sequences in the entire Bond series. I will fight anyone on that. And I like it because it is the farewell to arms for the old Bond movies. Like I don't see... Even though Casino Royale is going to be 20 years old in a couple of years. I still don't see that as an old Bond film. Because... Die Another Day is the Bond film, is a Bond film that we will never see again. You know the series is going to try and still be Daniel Craig esque, presumably, but I don't think we'll ever see a Bond film like Die Another Day again. So I feel like that is the end for the Bo- old Bond films because no current Bond film will do things the way that the old Bond films did. It's just. The series has changed. Society has changed. And I don't think we're going to go back to that. We're going to move forward. So I will always admire it as this is the farewell to arms for the old way of doing things. Even knowing the kind of problematic nature of some of the old ways. Um, I mentioned Istanbul in my words on The World Is Not Enough. Uh, Another Istanbul-based film I watched this year was 3,000 Years of Longing, which was George Miller's latest film about a genie and a lonely woman. George Miller is a strange filmmaker. He'll make a post-apocalyptic action classic like Mad Max 2, and then he'll turn around and he'll make Happy Feet, or he'll make Babe, Pig in the City. And I respect that. This is a guy who will do what he wants, march to the beat of his own drum. And this song that he beat on his drum, 3,000 Years of Longing, it's a movie where my respect for it outweighed my enjoyment of it. I thought it was all right. I like Tilda Swinton. I like Idris Elba. They work well together. I liked what he was trying to do, this... um treehouse of horror style telling of various different um fantasy tales taking either from fantasy or turkish history you know and it was interesting i feel like maybe my 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 opinion would be different on a second watch but um and i probably will rewatch it at some point but for this first viewing I thought it was okay but you know it's not what George Miller can be capable of because he can be capable of absolute magic and this this was grand you know it was fine but it's not his best movie Um I watched 2006 uh, is the queen because the queen's kind of been the queen was kind of in the news in September did any anyone see that anyone at all um it was it was interesting going back and watching this because I had seen it in bits and pieces and I had seen Helen Mirren playing the queen in clips and I was like yeah she won the Oscar deservedly so but this was the first time I had sat down and watched it all the way through and this is a decent movie it's got to be said it's it's a it plays as kind of a comedy of manners between traditionalism and um modern modernizing you know kind of touching on the negatives and positives of both um it also kind of plays as a comedy of a one man having to deal with a crazy family and it might not be the most flattering portrayal of the royal family to an extent but it feels a more lighthearted take than something like the crown is um and helen mirren is fantastic um michael sheen is a incredibly underrated actor he's quite good as tony blair although i could have done without the scene where he kind of goes in on diana for no apparent reason Um, but it's grand. Like I like Stephen Frears as a director. I think this is. It's not. I don't think it's his best film, but it's one of it. It's 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 a pretty good movie. You know, I'd I'd recommend it. You know, especially if you want to look at it in like the context of a movie that touches on how the reaction to Diana's death was and then kind of compare it to what we saw this past month with um the queen's death. It's interesting to look at it from that perspective and how this film kind of in 2006 asked how would it be if she died? Um what will it be like? And then kind of going back and seeing it now through the lens of what we've seen, it's interesting. I watched Fall, which is a movie where you have to accept the stupidity of its central characters in order to get any sort of enjoyment out of the movie. It's a movie that lives and dies by the suspense of how can we make it really tense that these people are climbing a stupidly tall thing that they should not be doing because they are idiots. Um, if you can accept that the two characters are very stupid people who do stupid things and do not take the precautions that any sensible human being should, Uh, you can get some enjoyment out of this thriller. It's really nothing to write home about beyond some cool suspense building when they're actually climbing the rusty old rickety tower. Um, But again, it's a movie that comes out end of August, early September and kind of gets forgotten about by October. Um we I watched see how they run and I'm really really happy that Who Done are a thriving genre again. Not just with this. Uh we've also got Knives Out and Knives Out 2 coming later this year. We've got um Oni Murders in the Building. The Who Done are back, baby. And while this is nowhere near the level of A Knives Out, or even Only Murders in the Building, it's fine. It's a decent watch. It feels Wes anderson light. Um Saoirse Ronan is fantastic in it. She is, by far and away, the standout of the movie. Um, I don't think it, it has a great cast. I don't think it gives much of its cast enough to do outside of Rockwell, Sam Rockwell who also sports a fantastic british accent it must be said um and Saoirse Ronan, um i feel like it could have done more with the side characters it could have done a little bit more with the mystery um it feels very by the numbers uh who done it with a bit too much um cynical oh you know how this goes matterness um uh, uh, dolloped on top to the point where I think the kind of the fact that it was poking at its own at its own genre kind of exposed some holes I think but it's a fine watch it's an it it'll be it's going to be a really nice time playing on a Wednesday evening or a Saturday night on RTE in mid spring or maybe this time of year. net by this time in about two or three years it'll be playing in October on or midweek or Saturday, and it'll be a great time to watch it. Um I watched I Give It a Year, which is a British rom-com from I believe two thousand thirteen. Um again it's it's an interesting idea following a marriage um in the first year, um between two people who kind of got married quite quickly, and you kind of wonder, are they going to make it last? Is it going to last? Did they make uh the right choice um it's nothing to write home about um I don't think it was executed as well as the as it could have been given the fact that it's an interesting idea. Shout outs to Stephen Merchant, who is really good in it and it's always nice to see anna faris getting a good comedic role that isn't dumb blonde stupid that she kind of had pen peg pinned down to a T with her scary movie character and the house bunny and those kinds of comedy she was doing in the 2000s it's a smarter comedic role for that she does really well because anna faris is great um I watched Do Revenge, and Do Revenge is exactly what Gen Z doing a teen movie should be. It's great, it's fun, it's vibrant, it's an interesting concept. Strangers on a Train, but done as a teen movie. Love Child between Heathers and Mean Girls. It's like if Heathers and Mean Girls had a love child and that love child had a spicy instagram and really liked hitchcock uh strangers on train do revenge i really enjoy it it's a lot of fun and it's a movie that if it wasn't on netflix it would be getting a lot of buzz in its theatrical run so we should not let it get forgotten and then closing out the month i watched i started watching Andor, the new star wars tv show and i'm really enjoying it so far the first two episodes are a bit of a slow build um if you can get through them uh then you you then you will not regret it because when it gets to like the third episode it really starts cooking with gas it is fantastic that's a, episode three is great episode four is very interesting And I'm enjoying the vibe of this show. It's the most ordinary people within the Star Wars universe thing that we've gotten so far. It has all the right elements of Rogue One. uh, But it's also, I really respect how much of its own thing that it's being. It's really avoiding the very easy opportunities to kind of poke the fans with references, you know? It goes to Coruscant, but it doesn't show any of the scenery that we'd know from the prequels. It doesn't show the Jedi Temple, you know. It shows Coruscant from, like, the outside, but it doesn't show anything that, like, we'd be like, oh, we saw that place in the prequels, you know. It it mentions, like, maybe one other planet that we've seen in a Star Wars uh, show or movie before, um... It mentions an odd character or two, but it's one of the it's it's the first Star Wars show that they've done where if you could kind of imagine this does not take place in the Star Wars galaxy at all. And it still works as a show. And that is a that is probably the best compliment I could give it. And that was what I watched in September, you guys. Uh I hope you enjoyed this um and if you did we can do more of these next month. I'm always looking to see what new things I can do with the podcast, new things I could try and it's just nice getting back here and talking about movies because I've missed that. Uh I'd like to thank you all. Um and until next time, um thank you and enjoy. And don't forget to subscribe.